Hi, good morning. My name is Jim Cole, and uh, my wife and daughter and I are going to do the scripture readings this morning. Um, the Old Testament reading this morning is found in Psalm 1, verses 1 through 6. One of my favorites. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that uh, sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on who meditates on this day, on his law, day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. The word of the Lord. I'm Martha, and the New Testament reading is found in Romans eight twelve through 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation awaits an eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The word of the Lord. Thanks be Hi, my name is Anna. Please stand for the gospel reading found in Matthew seven twenty four through 29. Everybody who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise builder who built a house on bedrock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It didn't fall because it was firmly set on bedrock. But everybody who hears these words of mine and doesn't put them into practice will be like a fool who built a house on sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat against that house. It fell and was completely destroyed. When Jesus finished these words, the crowd were amazed at his teaching because he was teaching them like someone with authority and not like their legal experts. The Gospel of the Lord. Good morning, my name is Glenn Packiam, and I'm glad to be here with you. No, I'm, I'm Daniel Grothy, and Glenn is on a plane right now flying to England to start his doctorate, and we're very excited for Glenn. And so I'm here this morning to speak. I, I work up at New Life, uh, what we call the mothership up north, and I, I pastor a group called The Mill, which is our college and 20-somethings group, and we meet on Friday nights. And I've been at New Life for eight plus years and um, really love this work. I'm married to Lisa and we have three little kids. And uh, just wanted to give a couple of you a heads up. You were there on Friday night at the mill. Aaron Stern was supposed to speak. And he's coming from Fort Collins. He calls me at two o'clock. He says, I'm coming down. I'll see you there in a couple hours. We were going to eat dinner. He calls me two hours later and he said, I'm not out of Fort Collins yet. 
Uh, so he got stuck, and he said the highway was washed out, and they were rerouting him through Nebraska to get to Colorado Springs. So I said, so you're not coming? I mean, like, don't you love the word of God that you would drive through Nebraska? Anyway, he didn't come, so I preached this sermon on Friday night. So if you were there Friday night, I'll buy you an ice cream, okay? Um, we've been studying through the Sermon on the Mount at the mill as well, and for the last four and a half months, been looking at the words of Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, And uh, this last Friday, we closed the Sermon on the Mount. And this Sunday morning, we will close the Sermon on the Mount. And as we do, you can turn in your Bibles to Matthew 7. But as we do, I want to open with prayer and just uh, entrust this to the Lord. Father, we say, unless the Lord builds the house, those that labor, labor in vain. Unless you watch over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. This morning, Lord, we pray that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our heart would be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. We pray that you would breathe here this morning a fresh breath by your Spirit, that you would pull back the layers that have accrued and built up on our lives of darkness and of sin and of weariness, and that you would lay us bare to your word, that by your Spirit you would address the innermost parts, and that you would touch us and heal us. Make us like the Son of God, Jesus Christ, we pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. Do any of you ever hear your parents' words ringing throughout your head throughout the day? I mean, think back to like the, the wisdom of a grandparent or a parent, like the phrases that they would say to you. The words that were normally coming off their lips. I had a great uncle, Olin, who just seemed like he was Olin, O-L-E-N. He seemed like he was 90 years old, like always 90 years old. He was like 60 at the time, but I was this little guy. And Olin always finished his sentences with, and such as that. Every sentence was, and such as that. It's like, I don't know what that means, and I, I can't focus. And I just, whenever I think of Olin, I think of and such as that. And my parents had these phrases that they would always say to me to instruct me. Can you, can you think of those words that your parents or that your grandparents or that a coach or a loved one would say that just ring throughout your head? Whether or not we want to admit it, words chase us down, words pursue us, words have a way of lodging themselves in our minds in our conscience, in our hearts. Words have feet and they run after us. Words are what we build a life on. And whether or not we want to admit it, we've all built our life on certain words. I'm a self-made man. People say that time and time and time again and they live as if their life depends on them. If I don't protect myself, nobody else will. And you say that time and time and time again, and you begin to live that way as if you are your protector, as if you are the one that will vindicate your life. Or maybe some of us have heard, you'll never be good enough. And those words have chased you down and haunted you, have lodged in your mind for your whole life. You'll never be good enough. These words have power over us. They speak to us. We remember them. As, as I've been looking at the words of Jesus this week in Matthew 7, I've been taking stock of the words that have been important to me growing up, thinking, what are the phrases that have stuck with me? What are the words that have shaped me and defined me? What are the words that have pursued me? And as I've done it, I've fallen in love with my parents even more. 
I, I, I'm just so grateful for them this week because I, I feel like as I've taken account of the words they've given me, they've blessed me. They've built me up. They've given me words to build a life on. Some of the words that I heard growing up were, go greet the people. Daniel, go greet the people. I grew up in a pastor's home in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and we met in the Maybe Center on the campus of Oral Roberts University. And think about this times like four. Huge room, and we didn't own it. We, we moved the stuff in every week. We would set up and tear down. And so me, being the son of the growthies, we were there at 6 a.m. unlocking the doors, setting up church for 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. services, and then we would lock it up and leave at 10 o'clock that night after the 6 o'clock service. So I'm just a church rat. You know, you have kids who are like gym rats and kids who, I'm a church rat. And so I was in church all the time and my parents had to work on Sunday mornings. And so we would get in the room and there'd be a security guard way up in the top. You know, he would let us in and my mom would say, you see that guy way up there? Go greet the people. Go say hi to him. Shake his hand, look him in the eyes, ask him what his name is, tell him what your name is. And they gave us these questions to sort of prompt, where are you from? And where do you work? And I'm three, you know, go greet the people. (laughs) And so this is how I grew up, and as I've been taking stock of this, go greet the people has been ringing in my ears my whole life. I've just never assumed that it was someone else's responsibility to come find me. I was going to initiate. This is the way my parents taught me. Go greet the people. Another thing my parents taught me was honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. I can remember from my earliest times, honor God with your body. In fact, my parents have video of me at Disneyland as a four-year-old. And I'm just dancing. I just love to dance. So I'm dancing, and my mom would say, Daniel, honor God with your body. You can't do that. I mean, this was video that would make Miley Cyrus look like Mary Poppins. Like, it was, it was bad. Like, you just can't do that. Like, that's not okay. Daniel, honor God with your body. And, and that's funny and... and But I can't get away from that. Daniel, honor God with your body. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. Another thing that I remember hearing growing up was, Daniel, you have an excellent spirit. They named me because Daniel, Daniel and the lion's den, there's this book in the Bible, and Daniel's a good Christian name. And they named me Daniel. It said that Daniel had an excellent spirit. And so my parents, my mom especially would say, Daniel, you have an excellent spirit. You have an excellent spirit. And before I knew what an excellent spirit was, I knew that I had one. And those words have chased me my whole life. Those are words that have imprinted on my heart. Another thing that my mom taught me growing up, I had three sisters as well, and they reinforced this, but it's Proverbs 31.1. Listen, my son, O son of my womb, O son of my vows. Do not spend your strength on women your vigor on those who ruin kings. Daniel, don't spend your strength on women. The older you get, there will be people who will ruin your your life if you will let them. Please, chase after godly people. Stay with good people. Don't let, don't spend your strength on women. As a little boy, that got in my heart. And in high school and in college, that saved my life. So that when I met my wife, I had something to present to her. and, and, And we were able to, to come together joyfully and with, with honor and dignity. Thank God that my parents told me this. Those words stuck in my heart, and I'm thankful for it. Another phrase that stuck, my dad was a worship leader growing up, and we had a little baby grand piano, and we'd sit there on the bench together, and he'd play, Great is thy faithfulness, O God my Father. 
There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, thou forever will be. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. That the, these words, when I get pinched in life, when life closes in, somehow these words come out of me because they were put inside of me. These words have chased me down my whole life. And finally, my dad said to me as a little boy, you're not always going to live in my house. I love you, I'm your dad, but there's going to come a time when you move out of my house and you're not always going to live in my house, but I am going to get you ready to live. And as a little boy, hearing your dad say, I am going to get you ready to live, does something to you. And those words stuck in my heart, and he raised me in the word of God, and, and Jesus, I think, understands that words chase us down, that words matter, that words are what we build our life on for good or for evil. And here today in this passage in Matthew 7, 24, he says, whoever hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise builder who builds their house on the rock and the rains are going to come and the storms and the floods are going to rise, but the house will stand. But whoever hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish person who builds their house on sand and the same storm, the same rain, the same floodwaters are going to rise and great will be the fall of that house. Jesus says words matter. Will you please build your life on these words that I have given you? Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is saying to us. Lady Folly and Lady Wisdom are given to us in the Proverbs. The whole book of Proverbs is presented as Lady Wisdom versus Lady Folly. And Lady Wisdom calls out, will you come in here? Will you follow me? Will you hear what I have to say to you? And Lady Folly is calling out too. Will you hear what I have to say? Will you buy into my words? And the Proverbs writer says that the one who goes into Lady Folly's house is like the sheep going to slaughter, little knowing that it will cost them their life. Their, their life will be washed away as a result of building a life on folly. Wisdom calls out. Jesus calls out to us today in this passage. And he gives us two options. He says, either build your life on my word or don't. It's very plain with Jesus. Here at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives us four contrasts. And he says there's only two options. Either you will choose the narrow way or you will choose the broad way that leads to destruction. Either you will build your life on my word and live and be sustained or you will build your life on another set of words and you will be washed away. Jesus says, please pick. Today I set before you life and death. Choose life. He uses structural language here, and he says there is a life that will never be washed away, and I'm here to give it to you. This means something to us here in Colorado this week that it didn't a week ago. I will give you a life that will never be able to be washed away. Would you please hear me? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, is coming to do something that I want to take a look at. What is he doing? What is his project here in the Sermon on the Mount? Genesis 1, we see the Father speaking creation into existence. In the beginning, God said, let there be light, and let there be trees, and let there, this great poem, Genesis 1 and 2, and God is creating, God is speaking order out of chaos. 
Jesus in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, what we've spent the last four and a half months looking at is speaking a people into existence. A people who will not fight for their own rights. A people who will be willing to turn the other cheek and to go the extra mile and to pray for those who persecute them and to bless those that despitefully use them. A people whose yes is yes and whose no is no. Jesus is calling a people who will go way beyond just not committing adultery, but who will resist lust at every opportunity. This is a crazy people that Jesus is constituting here in the Sermon on the Mount. The Father speaks creation into existence, but here in the Sermon on the Mount, we have the Son speaking a people into existence. This is a new way of life. But it's not just a new way of being human that Jesus is giving us. Jesus is giving us the definitive way of being human. He's saying any other way is a false copy. It doesn't work. To hold on to worry, he says, it doesn't work. That's not a life that that is joyful. That's not a life that leads to blessing. To hold on to hatred and vengeance and to try to spite other people and to live for other people's demise, it doesn't work. That's a life that gets washed away. And Jesus is giving us the definitive way of being human here. But if he's giving us the definitive way, I want to look at what maybe keeps us from buying in to this definitive way of being human. What distracts us from this life? What pulls us away? The first thing that I think is a real problem is that there are so many competing voices going on. So many competing voices. Is this world just noisy or what? It's loud. You can't turn on the television. You can't look at your phone without being bombarded. This is a very noisy world. Jesus says six times in the sermon, you have heard it said, but I tell you. You have been sold. This is what life really looks like. But I'm here to redefine this. I'm here to tell you what the blessed life looks like. It looks like those who are willing to be meek and they will inherit the earth. It looks like those who will submit to mourning and they will be comforted by the Spirit. It looks like those who will hunger and thirst for righteousness. Those are the ones that are going to get filled, not the ones who are satiated on their own. Not the ones who can satisfy their lives because they have enough resource to do it. But the ones who hunger and thirst for God to show up and to make things right. Those are the ones who will be filled. You have heard it said This world is so noisy and we have so many competing voices trying to pull us in another direction and yet Jesus says, these are the only words upon which to build a life that will last. Will you have me? The second problem today is that uh, we don't think we're really ready to live this life. We don't think we're ready. I mean, we hear stuff like, be perfect therefore as your heavenly Father is perfect. These are big words, Jesus. We wonder if we have what it takes to live this life. Growing up in Tulsa, I played on a basketball team in high school, and we, we went to the state tournament. And it was in Oklahoma City, and we lived in Tulsa. It was a two-hour drive, and I remember sitting on that bus, getting ready to drive to the big house. That's what it was called. It seated 10,000 people. We're going to the big house to play three games in the state tournament. And I remember sitting on that bus, we, we were the number one ranked team in the state, we had just been mowing people down, it was working, but I was sitting in that bus going, are we, do we really have what it takes to do this? Are we ready? Can we bear up under these kind of, this kind of expectation? They're writing articles about us, Is, are we going to embarrass ourselves? Can we actually pull this off? 
And I think we as the people of God listen to what Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount and we go, can we really do this? Can we bear up under these kind of expectations? Can we, can we be perfect, therefore, as the Heavenly Father is perfect? Can we accept this invitation from Jesus? Or is this a life that's just going to be disappointing? Is it going to hurt us? And Jesus says, come, come. I, I will make you righteous from the inside out. I will cause this holiness to be birthed from within you. I will give you what you need. My dad, like I told you, he said, I'm going to get you ready to live when you leave my house. Well, I was getting ready to leave his house. I was a senior in college. And it was Christmas break, and I had just gotten engaged to Lisa. I had one more semester left, and then we were to get married and move here to come work at New Life to be in Colorado. And Christmas of that year, 2004, my dad gave me this. And it's a picture of him as a four-year-old boy with his dad. This is Melvin Joseph Grothy, my grandfather, I never met him. He died when my dad was 15. He died in an oil explosion in Tulsa. And this, he's giving my dad a toolbox, his first toolkit as a four-year-old. And my dad gave this to me, and it says, Daniel, on Christmas Day 1959, my dad gave me a toolkit. This is the only remaining original piece from that set. Let this screwdriver represent the set of tools that I've shared with you from God's word. And then it says, Matthew 7, 24, what we just read today. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. These words are foundational words, words to build a life on. And if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. I love you, Dad. I can hear my dad saying to me, I'm going to get you ready for life, Daniel. When you leave my house, you're going to be ready. You're going to be prepared. You're going to have what you need. You can do this. And today as we close the Sermon on the Mount, I hear Jesus saying to us, you have everything you need to live this way. You are prepared. I've been teaching you. I've been walking with you by my spirit. I've I've put myself in front of you. Everything that I have is yours. I've hidden nothing from you. Will you build your life on my words? You have everything you need to live this way. Today is the benediction of this Sermon on the Mount. Today is the close. Today from here we go with decisions to make. And either we will choose to build our lives on these words for the rest of our lives, or we will choose another set of words. Today I encourage us that we have everything that we need to do this. Isaiah chapter 60 says, Arise and shine, people, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Though the, earth, the, the world is covered in darkness, you are the light of the world. Ready, go. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the sovereign Lord God is upon you, new life. Because he has anointed you to preach good news to the poor, he has sent you to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives. He's sent you to bring the recovery of sight to the blind. He sent you to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord's favor. He has sent you to live out the Sermon on the Mount. You have everything you need to do to live this way. Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. Go shine bright so that people in the darkness can see what it looks like to live. Show them a life that will never be washed away. 
Go back to Genesis 12. God calls Abraham. He says, Abram, look, I am going to bless you. Look at the stars of the sky. You see all that? Your descendants are going to outnumber that. I will bless you, and I will make you a blessing. He didn't say, I will bless you, and I'll give you all these kids who have really great sound theology and great doctrine, and then they just come huddle together on Sundays, and they just recite these doctrines and make sure that they're airtight, and then they go out, and then they come back next Sunday. He didn't say, I'm going to give you a people that, that hides from the world, that cloisters from the world. I'm going to give you children that go into the world to be a blessing and to heal the world and to bring light, and this is who we are, and we have everything that we need to live this way. You are the seed of Abraham. I am the seed of Abraham. And now we go live to be a blessing to people who are not like us, to people who don't like us, to people who might, may hate us, to people who make like, life difficult for us. It doesn't matter. We are called as the children of Abraham to be a blessing to all the nations of the world. This is what our identity is. Jesus says, Come to me and build a life on my words that will never be washed away. But I want to send you out with this. We read it, Romans 8, verse 19. It says this, that creation is groaning right now for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. Creation is yearning and longing. Creation is calling out. Creation is in tears. Creation is groaning. Today, I'm asking you to leave this place hearing the groaning of creation for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed, for the people to live the Sermon on the Mount, for the people to bless those that curse them, for people to move back into the neighborhoods and to see the neighborhood as their territory to bring blessing, for people to go back in schools to be the light of Jesus Christ, for people to be the salt and the light, for people to be the hands and the feet of Jesus. This is who we are as the people of God. Today, We're going to come to the table of the Lord. My friend Gary helped me think this through this week. We're going to come to the table of the Lord, and as we come down, I want you to walk down with these words. You know the the hymn, I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. As you come down, you might be singing in your head, the world behind me, the cross before me. You're going to come down to the cross to receive grace and strength to live this out. There's nothing that we can do to make this thing work on our own. The world behind me, the cross before me, we're coming to receive the grace to live this sermon out. But as you take that bread and that cup and you walk back, imagine yourself singing the cross within me, the world before me. That Jesus has given me his strength and his power by his spirit to carry my cross and to deny myself and to follow him. To bear in our bodies, as Paul says, the death of Christ so that Christ's life might be revealed. The cross within me, the world before me. As we come down to receive grace today, we leave with strength to go live the Sermon on the Mount in Colorado Springs, in our neighborhoods, with our families, with our friends. Can we bow our heads? As you come to the table, would you hear creation groaning for the sons and daughters of God to be revealed? As you leave from the table, would you hear creation groaning? And will you respond to that groan by running to it to bring life and healing and blessing? 
Father, we confess that we don't always believe that you've called us and empowered us to live this way. We confess that most of the time we don't want to live this way. But what we're asking for today is the grace to respond to this word that you've given us. We're asking, Lord, for the grace to say yes to building a life on the words that are a true foundation, words that are a rock, your words, your sermon. And Lord, thank you that as we do, your promise to us is that our lives will never be washed away. We may have difficulty, yes. We may be afraid at times, yes. We may feel vulnerable, yes. But our lives will stand because you are the rock. Thank you, Lord, for four and a half months of looking at your words and being instructed by the great teacher. And Lord, now would you send us from here the cross within us and the world before us. No turning back. No turning back. In Jesus' name, amen.